What would you say you do here? Sports. Sports. All day long. Hello, sports fans. You're listening to CE Sports here on Thunder 91.1 KSUU. What a beautiful Tuesday night here in Cedar City. Uh, the weather could not decide if it was going to snow or not. Had snow off and on all day, but regardless, I am here. Here in the booth, live on Thunder 91.1, ready to give you some more sports talk. Um, unfortunately, this week I wasn't able to have a Monday episode. We'll just say it's because of a holiday and leave it at that. Um, but anyways, we've got uh, quite a bit of stuff to talk about tonight. Really excited about today's episode. So let's just jump right in. First off, I want to give a shout out to... Uh, the Utah Jazz last night they played the Philadelphia 76ers and I'm going to be honest with you it was the first Jazz game that I had seen um the whole game all season and it didn't disappoint um I've just been super busy I've never had a night where I could really just sit down and watch the entire thing but last night my brother and I all of our roommates we sat down we cheered the Jazz on I knew it was a huge game the Jazz are number one in the West. The 76ers are number one in the East. Even though the 76ers didn't have Joel Embiid, I knew it was going to be a great game, and it really, really was. Um, really, both sides played amazing. Philadelphia put up 42 in the first quarter. Huge night from Ben Simmons. Um, Simmons actually ended up with a career-high 42 points. So shout-out to Ben Simmons. Um, you know, Utah started off a little slower, but um, ultimately, they ended up taking the game home, 134 to 123. Huge, huge game from my boy Jordan Clarkson last night. 40 points in 29 minutes of action. One assist, zero rebounds. That shows you the type of player that he is. That's what the Jazz brought him in for. They brought Jordan Clarkson in to get buckets off of the bench. Even with Mike Conley out, Jordan Clarkson's not going to start because they need him to be their sixth man. Uh, he is such an important role player, and honestly, his play is a huge reason the Jazz are doing so good this season. Like I said, 40 points. Um, he's averaging around 18 on the season. The Jazz are just on fire right now. They're 23-5. and five. They've won 19 out of their last 20, so... Finally, the Jazz are getting respect and the respect that they deserve. Over the weekend, ESPN, NBA, all those big-time sites, they released their power rankings, and the Jazz were at the top, finally, on most of them. Um, you know, I, I'm really glad that the Jazz beat a good team like the 76ers. That's one of the knocks that people had been saying, like, oh, the Jazz haven't had that hard of a schedule. But uh, nevertheless, you know, 76ers are number one in the East. So that's that's nothing to scoff at, especially when Ben Simmons puts up 42 points. It was a huge, huge night for Ben Simmons. And another player that did extremely well last night was um, Royce O'Neal, defensive spe specialist. Um, he, he had a few key steals. But more importantly, late in the fourth, he switched on to Ben Simmons, shut Ben Simmons down. Simmons' last shot, last four shots, he went 0 for 4. Huge there in crunch time. It was a pretty close game. And honestly, you know, O'Neal, 
Jordan Clarkson, even Joe Ingles. Man, every time Joe Ingles touched the ball, I swear, he'd make a bucket and I'd turn to my brother and say, man, he's just so smooth with it. Like, I, I don't know how else to put it. He's just so smooth with the ball, whether he's coming off a pick and roll or whether he's driving in with his little, his sleepy uh, Euro step. Man, it's 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 insane. I love watching Joe Ingles and the Jazz play. If you can't tell, I'm I'm very excited with the way things are going this season for the local team. Um, so O'Neal had 11. He actually O'Neal also he nailed some key three pointers there in the fourth also. So big big fourth quarter performance from O'Neal. Bogdanovich had 11. Gobert had 11. Mitchell had 24. Jingles had 20 and Clarkson had 40. So all around team effort. And ultimately, I think however far the Jazz end up going, whether that's a finals or a conference finals or, um, you know, second round of the playoffs, honestly, anything less at this point than a Western Conference finals will be disappointing. But anyways, no matter how far they go, they will get there because of their team chemistry together. You can tell that this is a group of players that loves playing together. Obviously, Donovan Mitchell is the superstar, but as you can see, he put up 24 points last night. Solid, but it's not spectacular. You know, you got guys day in, day out, Steph dropping 35 points. Donovan Mitchell doesn't need to do that. You know, you can count on Joe Ingles to step up. When Mike Conley's playing, you can count on him. You can count on Bogdanovich when you need him. He's had a couple 30 pieces this season. It's just there are so many guys on this team who can hurt you so many different ways. And I think that's what's most entertaining to watch about the Jazz this year is they are in it for each other. They know, number one, they know that they under underwhelmed last year in the bubble. Um, they could have beat the Nuggets. They went to game seven. It was a great, great series. Ultimately, the Jazz could have won that, and they know that. Bogdanovich didn't play. He had wrist surgery. Obviously, that's a huge factor, but that's in the past. They know they have something to prove this year. They knew that coming in, and then the narrative changed even more, and it got even more important when Shaq made those comments about Donovan Mitchell. Now, I think that strengthens their bond as a team, and they're kind of here to prove, like, hey, this is who we are. Don't sleep on us anymore. We're, we're sick and tired of being disrespected because we're a small market team. We're here to do damage and damage they've done. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to see what the Jazz can do the rest of the season. Next up for the Jazz on the schedule, they got the Clippers tomorrow and Friday. Doubleheader out in Los Angeles. They'll come home and play the Hornets on Monday. Then they'll play at home versus the Lakers next Wednesday. So that Wednesday game I've got circled on my calendar. Regardless of how the Jazz do in the next week in between uh, now and next Wednesday, that Los Angeles game is circled. Even, you know, even the games at the Clippers this weekend are really important. But, um, you know, that Lakers game is going to be huge. Right now the Lakers are number two in the West. And I definitely think if the Jazz can beat the Lakers, that's going to put them uh, that much more on the map, I guess you could say. Really, that's that's the last thing I think they have to do. Well, that and stop Jokic somehow. But we'll get to that when it comes. Uh, the Lakers are next week. They are the next big challenge for the Jazz. Are the Jazz up to the task? I definitely think so. I really, really do. Um, especially 
just going back over these these last 20 games it's it's hard to find any holes in their game you know last night they let simmons put up 42 maybe if Embiid would have played it would have went a little different um i i don't know but regardless you know the jazz even if they have an off night like even though they let ben simmons score 42 they find a way to rebound they find a way to uh come back stronger and they find a way to finish as a team and i think that's what's most important obviously you know like i mentioned o'neal uh he hit it was either two or three huge three-pointers late in the fourth corner quarter up to that he was one for five from three and then he comes and nails literally two or three three-pointers all in a row on top of that he has huge defensive stops big steals so they're dangerous from anywhere on the court um, they're one of the best three-point teams in the league, if not the best. But don't take away their ability. You know, Bogdanovich, Joe Ingles, Donovan, they can all drive inside too. Gobert, if you let him get to the paint, he's going to throw it down over anybody. Um, that's about all he could do. But I think they're a multi-dimensional team, and I think at the end of the day, they have some of the best chemistry in the league, and I think that's very, very important in the NBA. So that's it for my Jazz speech. Let's uh, take a break. Coming up next, though, I'm going to be talking about the NFL. Let's talk about Russell Wilson, something that's going on over there. Then I'm going to talk about some other quarterbacks and see what the league can do with all these quarterbacks that are, that are going to be moving around. You're listening to CE Sports, and I am your host, Christian Esparza. In case you missed it, I just went on my weekly rant about the Utah Jazz and how much I love them so much and how they're the greatest team ever and they're going to win the finals. Um, you know, if you missed it live, go find me on Anchor. Go listen to it. It's worth a listen. Let's move on to the NFL now. Uh, you know... I've got all my notes written down. I'm going to go out of order of what my notes say. I'm going to address the biggest news first. Uh, this is something I haven't touched yet on my show, so I got I to gotta talk about it. I'm just going to come out and say it. Don't read too much into the Russell Wilson rumors. Okay, if you missed it, basically he told a bunch of media guys uh, a few different times within the last couple weeks that basically he's sick and tired of getting sacked. Um, Russell Wilson's been sacked... 300-something-odd times in nine years in the league. Consistently, he has played with one of the worst offensive lines. Not only that, I think it's pretty obvious that he wants a scheme change. Um, lots of people don't like Pete Carroll's offense, the one that he runs. Obviously, you have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. There was the whole let Russ cook thing last year. It started off good. It crashed and burned. So... I don't, I don't really know exactly what Russell Wilson is wanting. He didn't come out and say it. But when he came out and made these comments, everybody starts talking. Same thing they did with, did with Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers is not going anywhere. Stop it with that. Russell Wilson is not going anywhere. This is more of a case of the face of the franchise using his voice to let the organization know that he is frustrated. He wants something to be done. He needs something to be done. Now, if the Seahawks would have went 4-12, and 12, then this would be a situation to keep an eye on. But this is more of Russell Wilson just saying, hey, let's take care of this before it gets to that point, before I want to get out of here, before I you know, make it public that I want to trade. Let's take care of this right now. But 
obviously he is frustrated and he needs to let the organization know. So that's all this is. I think the Seahawks basically just need to find a balance between letting Russ cook like they did in the first half of the season and pounding the rock like Pete Carroll wants to and like they did in the second half. Really, I'm on Russell Wilson's side with this. Every year, he, he's one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the league. And we all know how talented he is at getting away and stuff, but he can only do so much. He shouldn't have to be running for his life on almost every single play. All he's saying is that he wants some help. And, you know, I don't know if he's said something to management previously and they ignored him, so this is why he went public. Or, you know, maybe he's just feeling a little bit more rebellious. Maybe because he's pushed over the edge. You know, nine years in his career, he won a Super Bowl in his second year, went to the Super Bowl again in his third year and then lost, and then since then they haven't been back to the NFC Championship. He knows how talented he is. He knows what he's worth as a player. He knows that he shouldn't be losing in the first round of the playoffs, even if it is to the Rams. The Rams are a solid team, but judging off of how dominant the Seahawks were in the first half of last season, they should have went to at least the conference championship. They have that ability. They have, they're one of those teams that you know they can score at will. They have stars on both sides of the ball. Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Chris Carson. On defense, you have Jamal Adams. Corners, you got, uh, oh, wait, they don't have any corners. I think that's one of the problems about this situation. Oh, I forgot to mention Bobby Wagner, too, on defense. But what I was trying to get to is their pass defense is lacking. They don't have a pass rush, even with Carl Lawson. They don't have any good corners. The issue is they don't have a first-round pick this year because they decided to throw two of them away for Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams is a great safety, but he's not. No safety, no defensive back in this league is worth two first-round picks. Maybe Jalen Ramsey. A safety? No. No way. Definitely not. So now the Seahawks are in a situation where they clearly need offensive line help. They clearly need help on the defensive side of the ball. But... They're lacking draft capital, and they don't have a ton of money because Russell Wilson's one of the highest-paid quarterbacks in the league. So how do you solve this situation? Luckily for them, this is one of the deepest tackle classes in recent memory. So if the Seahawks played their cards right, if they draft right, they could. if they have a home run draft this year, they could make a Super Bowl, Super Bowl run next year. Um. Obviously, literally everything has to go right for them in the offseason, but I wouldn't rule it out, especially with Russell Wilson coming and making these things public. That's the reason why, because I think he knows that as well. I think he knows that there are only a few, granted, they're huge moves, but they're a few moves away from being title contenders. They're going to make the playoffs with Russell Wilson. But I know Russell Wilson doesn't want to just settle for playoffs. I don't think Pete Carroll does either. He's getting old. I know he'd like another ring. I think ultimately it boils down to Pete Carroll. Uh, lately, they haven't been very good at drafting. We saw them take uh, Rashad Penny recently in the first round. They took some, I don't even remember who they picked last year. And that's the issue is, you know, they pick all these guys in the first round and you can't name them. Rashad Penny 
What's he up to now? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, and who's in charge of that? It's Pete Carroll. I don't think he's a horrible head coach, but I, I don't think that, uh, he's doing everything he can to help this team. I think if Pete Carroll kind of finds a happy medium between what he wants and what Russell Wilson wants, I think things, I think things are going to go their way. So that's definitely a story to stay tuned on. Now, speaking of the offseason and stuff and moves, I do want to touch on this. The salary cap for next year still hasn't been announced, but it's going to be something that everyone wants to keep an eye on. Why? Because whatever it is, it's going to be lower than last year. Meaning, teams with no cap space are going to need to make big cuts. Those are teams like the Saints, the Steelers, the Falcons, and the Eagles. And obviously there's a few more too. But those guys are all going to need to make big time cuts because they're over the cap or pushing it right now. For teams with space, this means the market is going to be booming. It's going to be flooded with players. Granted, some of them might be older, you know, like Eagles are probably going to move on from Zach Ertz, Alshon Jeffrey, older guys that aren't what they used to be, but they can still come in and contribute. It also means that with a lower cap, some players on the market may not make quite as much money as they're projected. Simply because there's going to be so many players on the market and because teams aren't going to be able to pay as much as they normally should. Overall, I think it's going to be a super exciting offseason. J.J. Watt has already been cut. Patrick Peterson could be cut soon. The, Panth- the Panthers just cut Kawan short today to free up $8 million. People like Alshon Jeffrey, Zach Ertz, I mentioned them already. Um, other veterans around the league, you know, Marcus Mariota, he might be traded or he might be cut. There's going to be a lot of movement this offseason, and I'm excited for all of it. So stay tuned with CE Sports. I'm definitely going to keep you updated as the offseason progresses. Still no word on a Carson Wentz trade, but I, I, you know, a week and a half ago, I said it was coming within a week. But really, I feel like things are heating up. So that's going to be the next big name to focus on, I think. Um, Some other movements this offseason, you could see A.J. Green getting cut or traded. You could see Stephon Gilmore getting cut or traded. There's going to be a lot of big names on the market. A lot of big names. And I think there's going to be a lot of surprises too. Um, Obviously, Patrick Peterson, even J.J. Watt, they were a name that people were throwing around because they kind of saw it coming. I think there's going to be some surprises. So we'll see. This is CE Sports. Earlier, I touched on the Russell Wilson situation. I touched a little bit about the salary cap and what that's going to mean. Let's move on to this. Now, there's a lot of quarterback options available for teams that are going to need a quarterback. One team that's in a peculiar spot is the New York Jets. Why? Because right now they have Sam Darnold. They got a new head coach in Robert Sala. They shipped away Adam Gase. On the roster, they still have Sam Darnold. And this is interesting because Sam Darnold was the number two pick for a reason. Okay. He didn't just get drafted just because. He obviously, you know, lots of people had him ranked as the best quarterback in that class. My apologies. He was the number three pick. My bad. It went Baker Mayfield, Saquon Barkley, 
Sam Darnold. Since then, Sam Darnold, uh, you know, he's been hot and cold, mostly cold. But he has flashes of why he was taken at number three. He has a special arm, and he has the ability to make insane throws sometimes. But so far, his biggest knocks are inconsistency. He makes stupid decisions. Um, and then, obviously, one thing I think that's hard is you don't know how much of that, how much of his inconsistencies are from a bad coach slash bad line slash no weapons and how much of it is actually him. And this is why I'm not ready to give up on Sam Darnold. Especially considering that there is a history of Adam Gase leaving players or players leaving Adam Gase and then they perform better. What if Sam Darnold is the next player to leave Adam Gase and be good. Okay, we know, number one, we know Adam Gase is not a good head coach. They were horrible in his time in uh, Miami. They were horrible in his time in New York. Number two, we know Darnold has never had weapons or a good line. And number three, we have proof, physical proof of players drastically improving after leading, leaving Adam Gase. Jarvis Landry, Ryan Tannehill, Devontae Parker, Kenyon Drake, there's a long list of dudes, and they all improved once they were somewhere else besides Adam Gase. Uh, I brought this up to a friend the other day. He laughed at me. He said it was ridiculous. But I'm not saying that Sam Darnold's a pro bowler. I'm not saying he's an elite quarterback. I'm not saying he's top 15. But I'm saying he could be. I don't think it's fair to give up on somebody. You know, it's been three seasons. I don't think it's fair to give up on a 23-year-old who's never had a good coach, never had a good line, and never had good weapons. So I'm just saying I think it would be fair to give Darnold a chance somewhere else. New York, not the best fit right now. If I were the Jets, I'd move on from him. I think he's worth a little something. You're not going to get a first rounder for him. Uh, you can maybe get a, a second or a third, you know? But I do think that a quarterback needy team should consider Sam Darnold. He's better than Mitchell Trubisky. Even if neither of them improve, he's better than Mitchell Trubisky. You know, he's better than whatever guy the Patriots have on the roster. Jarrett Stidham, you know. Um, there's, you know, right now the Colts, Jacoby Brissett. I wouldn't mind a Sam Darnold-Jacoby Brissett competition. My point is, like I said, I just think Sam Darnold should be given another chance. I don't think, like I said, he's 23 years old. Why would you give up on a 23-year-old who you've never, he's never been in a situation where he can succeed? I think, I think teams should give the Jets a call about Sam Darnold. So that moves me onto my biggest segment of the night. Like I said, there's going to be a lot of movement this offseason. One of the biggest things is quarterbacks. Right now, I have 14 teams that have a question mark at quarterback currently. 14 teams. That's literally almost half the league. So here's my list of teams. I have them in order of draft pick just because that helped me jot them down easier. So I'm going to get going with this list. But before I start, I do want to note, Right now, 
I'm just going to say up front, a trade for Deshaun Watson is not part of this because right now the Texans are so adamant about not trading Deshaun Watson. It's looking like there might be a holdout that lasts all season. So if that changes, if the Texans warm up to a trade, I will modify this list. I'll change it to include Deshaun Watson. But like I said, as of today, it looks like the Texans are not going to be trading Deshaun Watson. So he does not factor into this list. Anyways, let's get going. First, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars. Easy. Trevor Lawrence with the first pick in the 2021 NFL draft. Okay. The New York Jets, they're picking at number two. They have options. They could stick with Sam Darnold. But number one, they're still in a little bit of a rebuilding phase. I don't know if that would be best for them especially considering Robert Sala is a new head coach. He didn't pick Darnold. The GM, I forgot his name, but he's not the guy who drafted Sam Darnold. It was another guy before him. So I think the Jets might be best to move on from Darnold and take Zach Wilson with the number two pick. Dolphins, they're at pick number three. They're involved in the Deshaun Watson talks, but... Even if Deshaun Watson were available for a trade, I'd like to see the Dolphins sticking with Tua. The Falcons, they're picking number four in this draft. Right now they have Matt Ryan on the roster. He's got one, maybe two years left in him. I'd like to see Matt Ryan, you know, he's another name that could be cut or traded. But I'd like to see them keep Matt Ryan and take Justin Fields at number four. I think that would be huge for the Falcons, for whoever takes Justin Fields. I think it would be huge if he could sit a year. There's no reason in forcing him in, having him play, and ruining him. Like you see, very few rookies are ready to step in and play on day one. Even Tua wasn't ready. Tua had to wait a few games and sit by sit behind Fitzpatrick. You know, we saw it happen to Mahomes. What if... What if he could sit and wait for a year? Uh, Mahomes sat behind Alex Smith. What if Justin Fields could sit and wait for a year? I think that would be huge for Justin Fields' development. The Eagles right now, they've got a bunch of question marks with uh, Carson Wentz and their quarterbacks. But ultimately, I think they're going to go with Jalen Hurts. The Carolina Panthers, I think they're going to stick with Teddy Bridgewater and then draft Trey Lance at number eight. That's four quarterbacks going in the top eight. Um, huge, but I think it'll be worth it. Same thing with Justin Fields. I don't know if Trey, you know, everybody talks about Trey Lance's ceiling, blah, blah, blah. He has potential, but I think his floor is also the lowest out of anybody in this draft. I think you got to be really careful. But Matt Rule, Joe Judge, they're uh, Matt Rule over in Carolina. You know, he's a great head coach. I like his offense. I think he'd be able to get the most out of Trey Lance. But same thing, he needs to sit a year behind Teddy Bridgewater. The Broncos, they're picking at number nine. It pained me to write this down. But because Watson is not going to be traded anytime soon, the Broncos are going to stick with Drew Locke. And they're probably going to bring in somebody for competition, whether it's a younger guy like Minshew or Darnold or ugh, Trubisky, they're not going to go get Wentz. I can tell you that much. They're not going to go get Wentz. 
or they could bring in an older vet like Fitzpatrick or Andy Dalton. The 49ers, I see them just sticking with Jimmy Garoppolo, man. I do. I really do. They have a winning record with Garoppolo at the Super Bowl or at the starting position. They went to a Super Bowl with Garoppolo starting for them. Lots of people bag on him. At the end of the day, he's not horrible. I think a lot of people hate on him unnecessarily. I don't think the 49ers are ready to move off of him just yet. The Patriots. Now, this is an interesting one because it's hard. This is a hard one to forecast what they're going to do. At pick number 15, they'll probably be able to snag Mac Jones unless somebody trades and leapfrogs ahead of them, which I don't see happening. But Mac Jones will probably be available at 15. Or they can redo the whole Cam Newton experiment. Cam Newton played really well until he got COVID. And then after that, he kind of declined. Um, I don't know if that's a coincidence or I, I don't know if it has something to do with him getting COVID. I don't know. But bottom line, well, let's talk about the third option. The third option I'd like to see them try out is Marcus Mariota. Whether they trade a second or third round pick to the Raiders or whether the Raiders just cut him, I'd like to see Marcus Mariota with Bill Belichick. I'd like to see them do the Mariota thing or the Cam Newton thing rather than seeing them take Mac Jones because with that number 15 pick, they can go snag a receiver. They really, really, really need offensive weapons. And, you know, it's hard to get weapons when you're too busy taking a quarterback, even though quarterback's important. Um, last, last week I talked about Mariota and Newton both. I'd like to see them have a, another shot at starting next year somewhere. Um, I don't know what the relationship is between Cam and the Patriots. So right now I'm leading a little more towards Mariota. I think that'd be an interesting option, taking a receiver at number 15 and then going and getting Marcus Mariota. The Washington football team, I have them. Cam Newton makes a lot of sense. Sam Darnold makes a lot of sense. And Mac Jones makes a lot of sense. Now they have Alex Smith. And he might be good enough next year, but then again, probably not. He had his comeback story this year. It was amazing. But at the end of the day, he's a 30-something-year-old quarterback. Towards the end of his days, he wasn't even supposed to play this year. And it was all great, and it was all awesome. But in reality, I do not think Alex Smith can get the football team back to the playoffs next year. I think they're going to have to go a little more aggressive at quarterback. Newton would make a lot of sense. Ron Rivera was Cam Newton's coach. Uh, when Cam Newton had his best season in 2015, he won MVP. Sam Darnold would make a lot of sense. Um, that would be more of a competition between Darnold and Alex Smith. And I think whoever slips up first, then the reins would be handed over, basically. Or same thing, they could snag Mac Jones. Obviously, they could do a couple different things with that pick, but I think they are in a better spot than the Patriots as far as not you know, they have Terry McLaurin. They've got Jordan Reed at tight end. They've got Antonio Gibson at running back. They could maybe use another receiver, but I think they're in a better spot than the Patriots as far as drafting a quarterback goes. Chicago. They're one of the teams that's heavily involved with the Carson Wentz talk. It's basically between Chicago and Indianapolis. So I'm going to throw Carson Wentz there, but I, I really don't know. I think Carson Wentz would do better somewhere else. I'll get to that in a second. 
But Chicago, I already said Darnold's better than Mitch Trubisky. So I'd like to see Darnold over in Chicago. Or I could see them bringing back Mitch Trubisky for cheaper. Everybody's saying, oh, they declined his fifth-year option, so he's not coming back. No, that's not true. They declined his fifth-year option, yeah, but that doesn't mean he's not coming back. Uh, Denver declined Garrett Bowles' fifth-year option, but then in the middle of the season, they gave him an extension. Obviously, Garrett Bowles had a very good season, while Trubisky had an okay season. But I think there towards the end, Trubisky might have shown a little something that might make the Bears interested in keeping him around. Or this is another spot that I wouldn't be surprised to see Mariota land. Moving on to the Colts. This, I think, is the dream scenario for Carson Wentz. I really, really do. Chris Ballard, the general manager for the Colts, has shown that he loves to be aggressive, whether it's free agency or trading draft picks. Last year, he traded the fir their first-round pick to uh, the 49ers for defensive end DeForest Buckner. I think it ended up being a win for the Colts, honestly. Um, but regardless, the Colts right now are a good quarterback away from making a deep run in the playoffs. They had Phillip Rivers last year, and they were limited because Phillip Rivers was old. All he did basically was check the ball down. Imagine if you had somebody that added a dimension, an athletic dimension to your offense. You know, you have Jonathan Taylor. Next year, you're going to have Marlon Mack healthy and Naheem Hines. Imagine adding somebody like Carson Wentz, who, yeah, he's not going to be like a Taysom Hill type runner, but he, he has the threat if he needs to. So I, I'd love to see Carson Wentz go to the Colts. I'd also like to see Gardner Minshew go here. Minshew, I think he's kind of getting screwed over by the Jags. I think he has starting potential. But obviously the Jags, if you're in the spot that land Trevor Lawrence, you got to take it, even if you have Minshew on the roster. So Minshew, I think, uh, I think he deserves to start somewhere. That could be Indianapolis. Um or that's another Mariota option as well. The Steelers, this is a tough one because they have Ben Roethlisberger. He played okay sometimes, but he played pretty bad a lot of times as well. They also just signed Dwayne Haskins. So I don't know what his improvement is going to look like if he sits next year behind Ben Roethlisberger. I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know if they sign Haskins to be their guy of the future but I think they could use somebody else. Sam Darnold makes a lot of sense here. Now, Sam Darnold, I mentioned him going to the football team and the Steelers. In those places, it's not guaranteed that he'd start right away, and that's okay. I mentioned this already. He's only 23 years old right now. He can afford to sit one more year and be patient and just hone his skills and do everything it takes to get better. Who does that remind you of? That reminds me of the New Orleans Saints and what they're doing with Jameis Winston. That's who I have as their starting quarterback next year. I think it makes too much sense. I think that's why they brought him in. They brought him in for super cheap last year. He chose to go there. You know, he could have went and fought for a starting job somewhere, but he said, no, I had an issue with turnovers. I need to fix that. I'm going to go sit behind one of the safest quarterbacks of all time, Drew Brees, and learn from him. I'm going to be a sponge. I'm going to get coached by Drew Brees and Sean Payton on the sideline all the time. I think it's a smart move. I really, really do. Jameis Winston, former number one overall pick, 5,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, 
30 picks. You know, I don't care what you say. That doesn't mean, you know, 30 picks is a lot, but that doesn't mean that he is not starting caliber. Uh, if it was easy to go out and throw 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns, then you'd have more than a handful of guys that do it. Not everybody can do that. Same thing with Darnold. I'm not saying that Jameis Winston's going to be great. I'm not saying he's going to be elite. But I'm saying that I'm excited to see how he plays next year, considering that he just went and basically took a year off to watch Drew Brees and learn from Drew Brees and basically marinate in the same system for a year. I don't think Taysom Hill is the future in New Orleans. I think Sean Payton likes him as a gadget guy. I don't think he's the future quarterback. We saw what he could do last year, and, you know, he won a couple games, but once once teams kind of figured out his dual threat mobility, you know, that if you force Taysom Hill to throw, he's not going to beat you with his arm. No way. Jameis Winston has an arm, though. He does. And, you know, obviously turnovers were an issue, not just his last year in the Bucks system, but basically his whole time as a Buccaneer, he struggled. He did with turnovers. But if he can clean that up, he's going to be a good quarterback. He really is. So keep an eye on the Saints and uh, New Orleans. Another thing, too, to consider is the Saints have one of the worst salary. They have the worst salary cap situation in the entire NFL right now. So they're going to need whoever they have as a quarterback, they're going to need to be cheap. Um, they saved a, much, a bunch of money by basically converting, restructuring Drew Brees' contract. I don't know. So basically if he retires, it's going to save them a bunch of money. They cut a guard, Nick Easton. I wouldn't be surprised if they cut Marshawn Lattimore, a corner. They've got a few other cuts that could be coming. So keep an eye on the Saints. Uh, Jameis Winston, I think, is gonna he's gonna surprise some people. So we'll see how that goes. So that's it for my quarterback carousel. I'm gonna keep it updated uh, throughout the off season. I'll let you guys know when I'm wrong, when I'm right. I I'm curious to see how much of these I hit on. These are my predictions, but um, yeah. So that's it. That's it for tonight's episode of CE Sports. Today I was live on Thunder ninety one point one KSEU. You can catch me Tuesday and Thursday nights from 9 to 10 p.m. Or you can find me on Anchor or Spotify at CE Sports. Go follow me on Twitter and Instagram at C Esparza Sports. Keep me updated. And I'm going to try to do a little more fan interaction. Eventually, I want to start doing some giveaways and stuff. Uh, I want to get some more followers. So let's see what I can do to do that. But until then, I'll see you next time.